Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, which is all about listening. Now, you'll have heard me say before that as a coach, questions are the tools of my trade. And when I pose a question to clients or to groups, they're invitations for people to think and they open the door to their own wisdom. Uh, This, of course, only sets the stage for me to listen to them. Uh, Attentive listening, active listening, effective listening, present listening, compassionate listening. Uh, There are many terms that we can use. So this week, I'll be sharing some tips on listening. And I'll also take you through the barriers to listening. You know, what stops us uh, or gets in our way uh, of us listening. And of course, it's not just about listening in a coaching or even a work setting, as I'm sure we've all been told at home, you know, you're not really listening to me. Um, I know I certainly have. For those of us blessed with good hearing, listening is a primary sense. It's how we interpret the audible environment. Uh, We are fortunate to hear the sounds of nature, music, the voices of our loved ones, laughter. So often it's something that we take for granted. From a leadership and a communication skills perspective, when I run workshops in these areas and we brainstorm the qualities of effective leadership and communication, you know, top of the list is always listening. And in particular, poor listening skills is the number one marker of poor leadership and communication. You know, at this time when we're returning to the office and there's so much uncertainty around hybrid working or, you know, where we're anxious and outside of our comfort zones, it's up to managers and team leaders to create an environment where people feel heard. Uh, An attentive listening shows that we care and it's the simplest way to recognise and appreciate others. So before I jump into the tips on listening and the barriers to listening, I want to share with you what I found to be a really profound experience on listening I had a few years ago. I was fortunate enough to attend a workshop in the IMI, the Irish Management Institute, uh, that was hosted by an American lady called Nancy Klein. That's Klein spelled K-L-I-N-E. Uh, it sounds a little bit like a, a country and western singer. But Nancy is an author and a coach, and I found her work and I found her uh, to be quite incredible. Uh, She's several books, Time to Think, I think think was her first one, and the follow-up, More Time to Think. And her website is Time to Think if you're looking to, uh, to get more information on her. But I had two big takeaways from her session that have stayed with me, you know, the best part of 10 years later. Uh, two questions that really got me to think, um, particularly as a as a coach, as a you know as working as a life and a, an executive coach, but also just as a person as well. And the two questions were, you know, how do you know what you're about to say is more important than what the client or what the other person is about to think? You know, so just contemplate that one for a moment. And how do you know what you're about to say is more important than what the other person is about to think? So certainly for those of us in a coaching space or a therapy space, uh, we need to keep that front and centre. And our other question was, you know, how far can people go in their own thinking before they need my thinking? Get another profound question when we contemplate it. How far can people go in their own thinking before they need my thinking? And again, you'll have heard me say before that one of the principles of my work is that I believe people are experts on being themselves. So those questions, you know, how far can people go in their own thinking really sits in with that uh, principle of mine. 
And Nancy's work, of course, is very much based on allowing and encouraging people to think for themselves. And we do this through incisive questioning, uh, but also in particular through listening. And at that event in the IMI, she ran an exercise that we all participated in. And I found it really profound. You had to buddy up. So you were working in pairs and uh, your your partner was called your thinking partner. And um, you I think the exercise was timed for three or four minutes. So one person would ask the question of their buddy, you know, what are you thinking? And the person then was, you know, sharing what was going on in their head, whether it was an issue or a challenge or whatever it was. And you would sort of think at the outset, as I did, that, gosh, it's going to be tricky to sort of speak for three or four minutes, you know, yourself, because the instruction was to the other person that they could only listen. They weren't able to offer you any words. They could only focus on you, maybe smile or nod and, you know, some of the nonverbal communication, but they couldn't offer anything. And if there was a, a pause in the conversation, you know, after a few moments, they could come in with another question, which was, what else are you thinking? So they could only ask, what are you thinking? And what else are you thinking? And uh, I remember when it was my turn to speak, I was speaking about an issue that I had. And and it just allowed me to, you know, to, 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 to use the other person as a sounding board, literally, and not to have anyone input. It was like just to allow me to to, to go out to the, the edge of the branch, I think, as Nancy Klein mentioned it, to the, to the extreme of my thinking, because often out there, there is a solution that we can only reach when we are in an environment that encourages us to think. And the, the best way to encourage a person to think is to listen attentively to them. Uh, so that part was really useful. But then when it came to my turn to be the expert or attentive listener, that was really the tough part, because one of the things you have to do is push through the discomfort we have around silence. You know, the way we're uncomfortable with silence and we want to jump in and offer help or offer a word of encouragement. And I think it was after that exercise that that Nancy Klein, who was running the event, you know, drew on a, on a flip chart, flip chart um, a, a tree and, you know, she said, think of the ability to think as going out on different branches. And if the other person jumps in, even with a, a noble word of encouragement, it often cuts that branch off for the other person. So they won't get the, the wisdom that, that lies out there on it or the gem of wisdom that's dangling out there. So that was an extreme exercise. But I have to say it was exceptionally powerful, not just as a coach, but as a person. It's not, you know, that extreme form of listening is certainly not applicable in all situations. But what it does do is stretch our listening skills. So that workshop with Nancy Klein, and as I say, her website is timetothink.com. It certainly made me think. And 10 years later, her work still has impact on me. You know, how often do I rush in with advice or finish sentences or fill pauses Uh, How often am I so busy preparing a reply or occupied with my own ideas or, you know, coming up with a solution for someone or coming back with another question that I may that I'm unable to give that person my full attention? Listening creates space. You know, it encourages us to connect with our own wisdom. And even if we think of a great friendship, one of the qualities of a great friend is their ability to listen. 
you know, in those instances, it's not necessarily about their answers or advice. It's the empathy and rapport they show, their understanding, their ability to create a space so we can hear ourselves think or even sometimes spew out everything that's rattling around in our heads. They're simply being present for you. Um, and the key difference there is really shifting from listening to reply to listening to appreciate, understand and value. So what is effective listening? Well, effective listening should have a positive impact, particularly on the speaker. It should result in making a person feel valued. Understanding is important, but of course that can only follow when the speaker feels recognised and appreciated and the person listening to them cares about them. Effective listening should give a person space to think and to explore their feelings and maybe even construct what it is that they want to say. Now, there's a few what I would phrase as streams of attention that's required when we're a listener. And some of them are obvious, but maybe some of them less so. Uh, three streams of attention are the first one is the, the content of what the other person is saying. So that's fairly obvious. You know, it's their subject matter. It's what it is they're communicating. We'd also be paying attention to our response to what it is that they're saying. Uh, this is where our thoughts can become divided. Think of it like, you know, the graphic on a football match for who has ball possession. You know, how much of my thoughts are focused on really listening and paying attention to them and how much of my thoughts are devoted to me waiting for them to stop speaking so that I can come back with the reply that I've been thinking about. Um, and then the third one is the, the third stream of attention is the environment that we're creating between the two of us. Now, coaches and therapists will certainly know about the third one, uh, the, the, the listening environment. Um, but it's also useful for us to be more broadly aware of it, particularly if you're a team leader or a manager. And sometimes we'll do this instinctively, you know, the way someone comes over to you and say they'd like to have a word. So you go off to a quieter space or if it's in an office, you close the door or maybe even you frame it for them by saying, OK, I'm all ears. You know, so you're creating an environment where the other person will feel more more comfortable speaking. Back when I first managed people, and that's not today or yesterday, I did have an office. And when someone would come into the room, I, I sort of thought automatically, you know, where's where's the best place to position me? Should it be across the desk? You know, should I be at one of the chairs that's, you know, um, the, beside them? You know, I think there was a little table, a round table at one part of the office. And it's like, will we sit around the round table? And it was my my awareness of creating an environment where the other person would feel most comfortable speaking and maybe where we wouldn't have the same distractions to a, to a quality conversation. Because the right environment is one that allows the other person to feel maybe at ease and it creates a platform for, for good communication. Um, and of course, body language, you know, tone, your general demeanour, you know, as the listener comes into play here as well. Maintaining eye contact, uh, keeping an open posture, um, mainly keeping silent, but perhaps giving words of encouragement as required. You know, of course, we're avoiding fidgeting and God forbid we would look at our watch or look out the window. Uh, we look to avoid completing their sentences or, or um, you know, making assumptions around what it is that they're saying and, and avoiding interrupting them as well, which is, you know, advertises our lack of listening skills. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating one when we think about listening, that there's more going on than we think. And that's why it's not just a passive exercise. 
I think it was Stephen Covey who first said that the problem is that most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. So to overcome this, we need to close off those invading thoughts or comments or suggestions or answers that pop into our heads. And I know for me, perhaps as a solution-oriented person, that I've struggled with this. Um, And one of the things that I have to focus on is allowing the person that I'm interacting with, particularly when it's a coaching client, uh, the full freedom to, to sink into their thinking and to feel that I am interested and curious about their thinking so that they feel they have permission to fully express themselves. There are different levels of listening, and you may have come across this before. You know, level one of listening is where we're just listening to the other person's words. Again, it's what they're saying. It's the subject matter. Now, we can be listening to someone's words and not even looking at them. You know, you could be typing away at the keyboard or looking at the television and the other person is speaking and you're you're able to do that level of listening. You're able to hear them and and respond to them. But that's only the, the threshold level of listening. Level two of listening requires a little bit more attention. That's where you're taking in what I would often call, you know, the, the complete pie of what's been communicated, which includes not just the words, but the person's tone of voice their body language, their facial expressions. So it presupposes you're looking at them and you're taking in much more information. It's not just the verbal information, it's the non-verbal as well. And then level three of listening, and you might be thinking, well, how can I get more than that? But level three of listening is when we're paying attention to the words and the tone and the body language and the facial expressions. But on top of that, we're Paying, not paying attention to, we're certainly aware of and looking to drop some of the common blocks to listening. And that's what I'm going to share with you now. So there are 12 blocks to listening, and I think we can do all of these fairly frequently. But when I go through them, see which ones you can relate to, see which ones are maybe an uncomfortable truth for you. I'll tell you which ones are mine in a moment. So they're in no particular order. But the first one is comparing. You know, comparing is where we're obviously comparing ourselves to the speaker. Um, uh, We're comparing what they're saying to our own experience and knowledge. And if you think what a lot of conversations are, you know, you're waiting for the other person to stop speaking so you can come back with a better story. It's like, well, wait, did I tell you about how long I was stuck in traffic on the M50? Or you start speaking about your holidays or your children, and suddenly it's all about you. Um, But before we interrupt them, what we're doing is not really listening. We're comparing what they're saying with what we already know or what's important to us. Um, Another barrier to listening is mind reading. You know, here we're, we're sort of listening to them, but maybe we're on the hunt for a hidden agenda. We want to try to figure out what they're really meaning. Um, you know, we're, you know, rather than listening to what they're actually saying, we're, we're, we're interpreting it. And often we're interpreting it in a way that's not fair to the person who's speaking. Um, another barrier to listening is rehearsing. And this is a fairly common one. I know I can put my hand up to this one. Um, you know, we're rehearsing in our own mind what we're going to say as soon as we get a chance. Or if the other person pauses for a breath, we're going to jump in. So we've run through in our mind what we're going to say. And sometimes we do that from a place of lack of worthiness because it's like, I don't want to come across sounding stupid or silly. So I'm going to run through in my own mind what it is I'm going to to say back in response. 
And we will certainly do that in environments where we feel pressurised. So think about an important meeting at work and maybe we're no longer listening to what someone else is saying or presenting from the top of the room. We're, we're regurgitating in our minds. You know, what would I do if someone asks me a question or, you know, when the time comes and I want to I want to ask something or offer something, I'll have it almost down to the point of recital in my own brain. Another barrier to listening is filtering. And this is where we're only listening for certain things. We might be ignoring most of what the other person is saying. Uh, our mind wanders um, and we only hear what maybe we expect to hear. I often think with filtering, we're going into the conversation expecting the other person to conform to a belief or an assumption that we have about them. You know, so for example, if someone says to you, oh, you're going to be speaking with Mary next week and Mary is very negative, you know, you'd be listening to Mary and you're just waiting for the moment where maybe there's a, I don't know, a frown on her face and you can confirm that belief. It's like, oh, yes, Mary was very negative, you know, and discounting the positivity or the just just the, the, the neutral conversation that you've had. Filtering, of course, brings us into the territory of another barrier to listening, which is judging you know, where we're not really listening to the other person, where we're making judgments about them the whole time in our minds. Um, um, and of course, effective listening is really about listening in a non-judgmental way. Something else that is a barrier to listening, and we can all relate to this one, I know I can, certainly going back to school days, where we're daydreaming. You know, we're only half listening to the other person. We're away in our own minds somewhere. We're off with our, with our own thoughts. And, you know, we're not talking here about being attentive listeners all the time because it's not required. But if we're coming at this from a place where I want the other person to feel valued and understood and appreciated, it is about attentive listening. And one of the things that will distract from that is when we go off in our own minds and do a little bit of daydreaming. Another barrier to listening, number seven, is identifying. So this moves beyond comparing. So we're, we're sort of listening initially to what the other person is saying, but then we identify so much with something that they've said that it now becomes all about us. You know, it's no longer about their experience or their story, and we can't resist jumping in with our own. You know, it might be, well, you think that was bad. Wait till you hear about what happened to me. You know, we identify what it is that we're what they're saying, and we we just have to, um, we, you know, we just have to turn it around and speak about our own experiences. Um, number seven, uh, the seventh block to listening, is one that you know I can drift into, is where we offer advice when maybe advice is not required or asked for. You know, we can quickly spot the problem maybe that a person has. We can relate to what it is that they're saying and we want to jump in and maybe, you know, give them some guidance as to how they could put it right or, or how we dealt with a particular scenario. And remember, with listening, we listen first to understand the other person rather than jumping in too soon and offering a solution. And um, I could take that one off on a tangent and speak about men are from Mars, women are from, from Venus, those old generalisms. Um, but I remember reading in that book many years ago, the thinking being that, you know, from a female perspective, and this is a generalism, but from a female perspective, uh, people want to be lit or, or women want to be heard and understood first. Um, where sometimes a man listening will jump straight in and offer solution without creating the rapport or empathy that could be required initially. Uh, another barrier to listening is sparring, you know, where we're jumping into the conversation maybe as soon as we disagree with something the other person is saying. 
You know, it might be a bit of banter. There's a bit, a bit of back and forth. There's, you know, jabbing comments or cuts. All of those boxing analogies would work here because you're sparring with the other person. It's now no longer about listening to them. It's almost like who wants to get the last word in or the, the knockout blow. An extension of that would be another barrier to listening, which is being right, which, of course, is one of the, the root causes of all, you know, complaints where, you know, do I want to... Um, you know, do I want to listen or do I want to be right or do I want to move things forward? You know, and when when we're insisting on being right, we're no longer listening to them. Uh, we're no longer open to, to new perspectives. You know, we already believe we're right and we don't want to be challenged on anything. And again, we look to have the last word there. So we're almost there. Two more barriers to listening. Number 11 is derailing. So I suppose it's an extension of sparring and maybe being right where suddenly we're changing the topic because we don't agree with what someone is saying or we're bored by it or we're just uncomfortable with the topic. So we will derail and take it somewhere else. And then the last barrier to listening is placating. This is the peacemaker. You know, they will say whatever they think the speaker wants to hear. And we might think, well, is this really a barrier to listening? But I suppose if we're, you know, if we're looking to placate a scenario or placate the speaker, we're, we're not really listening to them. Again, it becomes more about us. And again, nothing wrong with any of these blocks to listening. I think they're all part of the function of the brain. It's all part of the self, self-defense self mechanisms. We might phrase it that way. Um, you know, sometimes judgment gets a bad uh, rap. But of course, judgment also keeps us safe because it gets us to assess, you know, tricky or dangerous situations that we might be in. So those barriers to listening are all part of the healthy functioning of the brain, of the body. Um, But there are times that if we're looking to listen more attentively, we're paying attention to those barriers and looking to step back from them with awareness. So as we move towards wrap up this week, let's remember that the best communicators are the best listeners and the best leaders are the best listeners. And that makes sense because how do you know what to say unless you've been paying attention and listening? All complaints and conflicts arise because someone feels they've not been listened to or understood. And the number one reason why employees leave companies is because they don't feel valued or appreciated. And the simplest way to make someone feel valued and respected is to actively listen to them. Achieving a level of mastery when it comes to effective listening is not easy. Um, but, and it is a skill, you know, and they're skills that can be learned. Sometimes I use the analogy here of having a musical ear. Some people can just pick up a tune straight away. Others have to work on it a bit more purposefully. And that's the same when it comes to anything to do with emotional intelligence or communication skills and and certainly listening skills. So uh, a few little uh, tips maybe to, to bring together what I've been sharing with you this week. So when you're you're in a conversation with someone, as tempting as it can be, let's try not to interrupt them. Let's look to listen for that just a little bit longer than perhaps feels comfortable. As I sometimes phrase it, let's lean into silence here um, and notice yourself when you begin to drift into your own thoughts and bring yourself back a little. Now, that sounds simple and straightforward, but it is very difficult. Um, I really got a sense of that in that workshop I did with Nancy Klein 10 or so years ago in the IMI. For me, listening also assumes that you care about the other person, like you actually want to listen to them. So you can have the skill of listening, but you have to apply that skill. And one of the assumptions that 
uh, that we can run when we're when we're not listening attentively is that maybe we know more than they do. So the the assumption to bring in is that other people can think well for themselves. You know, they have their own levels of intelligence, or as I say, you know, they're the experts on being themselves and no one knows their scenario better than they do. And then the next time someone comes to you with a problem or, you know, they're looking for an immediate solution. And, you know, there are times when you just need to give them the immediate answer you know, maybe there's an opportunity for you to encourage their thinking a little more with some incisive questioning and and creating the space where you can listen to them. So if you're looking to enhance your listening skills, it is about practice and feedback and, and conscious effort. And awareness, of course, is where we, we start. And uh, remember, too, that when it comes to listening and communication skills in general, the more you resist the temptation to shine in the other person's eyes, the more you will actually shine because they will see you as a good listener and someone who has created the, the space for them to express themselves. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and my musings on listening. Uh, there's a lot more to that subject than we, than we might think at the outset. So I'm James Sweetman. Thank you as ever for tuning in. More information about me is available on my website, jamesweetman.com. And I post regularly on social media, particularly on LinkedIn and Instagram. Instagram for the behind the scenes stuff and the, the cakes I bake and the more personal things. Um, so thanks again for, for tuning in this week. If you found this episode helpful, you know, give me a thumbs up or a rating or a review. Um, and if you think someone else would benefit from this um, episode, uh, feel free to pass it on to them as well or to, to share it on your own social media feeds. So until next week, thanks again.